Hello everyone, it's Wednesday, March the 6th, and welcome to Pi Cubed, the podcast about science, technology, and anything else we find interesting. I'm your host, Francesco Buziello. Joining me today, as usual, is Salman Siddiqui. Hi Salman, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I see what you did there. You just switched around the as usual bit. Yeah, yeah. And also today is a hard day because 6th, 6th is not a good uh, day to pronounce. At least it's not 66th, which would have been a lot worse with my lisp, but... We could have always gone back in time and I would have done this on another day. Yeah. I did have a chance encounter with a Time Lord this week. You did? Which one? Um... The the new guy, the latest Doctor Who. Yeah, okay. what what's his name? I don't know his like name. The one with the big quiff at the front, you know. The big quiff. Uh, the hair. All right. Okay. It's just English slang is not my thing. Right. How was it? Did you did you shake his hand and uh, travel back in time and fight some uh, whatever those things are called, the the robots? Uh, well, I I saw him entering a pub, but there was no TARDIS in sight. Okay, that, that's a shame. You could be coming from the future and you know, science. All right, uh, let, let's 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 cut that short because not going anywhere. And let's talk about something we talked about last week, uh, which is three uh, D printing, because something happened this week. What happened this week? Uh, some guy printed a gun with a three D printer, and it works. Yes, it works for about six hundred bullets, and they printed a gun, quote unquote, gun. Because they didn't print the whole gun. Well, just parts of it, I assume. No, just one part. Just one part. Okay. It is, there is one part in the... I think it's the lower receiver, where the bullets go. That That's called... That's the gun. That's the regulated, regulated part of uh, of guns in the USA. So if you print that, that's a gun. But you still need you know the, the barrel and the trigger so and everything else. So not really printed a gun. Like, bits of it. Like, the bits you, you, you would have to buy. So how long... Um, did this gun last? You said uh, six hundred bullets. I think six hundred bullets, and um, I guess you'd have to be able to have lots of these um, pieces at hand if you were going to actually use this gun. Well, so. Six hundred bullets is is a lot. I mean, you could do lots of things with six hundred bullets. Sure. It's just that, uh, and if you can just print, you can't really print the barrel though. Not yet. I mean, the pressure inside the barrel is is enormous. You still need a piece of steel for that. Okay, so you can always have that turned at home yourself on a well, lathe. I mean, you you could make uh, an AK forty seven at home reasonably easily. Uh, that's what the reason they were made that way was because you could make them easily. Why they're so successful? Yeah, because everyone can make their own. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I'm not particularly in favor of people owning guns because guns kill people and people kill people with guns so I I don't know if this, this development is good or not but if you really wanted to make your own gun you didn't have to wait for this to happen you could just make it on your own if you really were was this by the same guy uh, Cody Wilson I could be I, I don't remember his name okay well I think I think I think that regardless of of whether it's a gun or not just having parts in the public uh, domain that can be modified by people and and the design improved on i think that's that's a good a- advancement for technology but for guns as well that is one of the uh, more negative a- aspects of it but um uh think of all all the other home home type of uh devices that you can just have improved it in that way for example you've got this um, like bombs 
<laughs> well, well um, I was thinking of say a uh, coffee grinder. Okay. People can make um, enhancements or, or attachments for a coffee grinder that you could simply add on to what you've got at the moment, or. But you still wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to like make some specific part specific parts though, like the burr, the burrs or the blades. Well, if you've got those already. Okay, so you can make everything else around. Yeah, you. and then and then say anything else which you need to add to it um. so the 3D evolution is not here yet we still need other bits so that's what we were saying last week that you can make many many things but still not the so, structural components so like I don't know perhaps there's a market out there you could um, uh, you could sell one small piece of a device which would be the long lasting part and then and then sell any of the add-ons or anything that breaks like, um, say for example, uh, your remote control. Do you find um, that the battery uh, compartment thing that slides open and closes, the top of it always breaks off? That's true. So you just make your own. So you just print a new one when that mm. happens. Yeah, I mean, simple things, things like that. Now, yeah. yeah. But we'll see. Uh, we'll keep you updated with developments in the, in that field. Uh, so just wanted to update you uh, for. Ugh. Because we talked about it last week and we were missing some information, so let's move on. All right, what should we talk about next, Sam? What do you think? Uh, technology or science? Choose. Science. Let's talk about science. All right. Uh, where's oh? Let's talk about the comets because we always talk about space. It seems to be of this week. We're not talking about the position four, but we're talking about science. But you mentioned it already. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. now been in every single episode. I guess if we have like a podcast bingo, then mentioning the PS4 would be one of the of the slots. And uh, it's just going to be like every week probably till the launch as well. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk, let's talk about comets. Uh, so uh, there is apparently there's a quite a large comet which is headed to Mars. So it's and not all the astronomers are getting very excited about observing it. Well, the the um, I think that if they hit Mars, it would be the same kind of impact that uh, uh, in, that allegedly uh, killed all the dinosaurs. Do you know what the chances of this I- impact are? I think the they're quite sure that it's uh, it's going to fly by at about thirty thousand kilometers. So pretty close. Pretty close, uh, but the fact is that uh, comets, because of the gas they produce. They can change trajectory uh, before they hit something, so we don't know if it's going to hit or not. So how does this gas change the uh, path that it takes? I mean, it's not like normal gas that, let's say, like humans emit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 not bringing wind. No, it's, it's just the way comets work is that it leaves like a trail of gases coming off the surface, uh, which you know, uh, could change the trajectory because you might might push it in a slightly different direction. It's less predictable than the path of an asteroid, which is only controlled by gravity and extent speed and sure, direction. Sure, okay. Uh, so, because one of the things would be very interesting is that of the of the many phenomena that happen on Earth, like you know, kind of corruptions and earthquakes, we don't, we never really, you know, observed an impact that size. Of course, if we did observe it on Earth, we would all be dead. So. That would be uh, unfortunate. There have been a few, say, um, in Jupiter, uh, and there was another one um, that scientists observed a, a few years back. I can't remember on what planet. But, uh, but and they were quite excited about Yeah, about I remember the one on Jupiter, but Jupiter is a gas giant, so you, you can't really tell much what's happened beneath you know, the, the gas. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, well, Mars is a is a rocky planet, very similar to the Earth in terms of uh, surface. So, yep. uh, you know, we could we could learn a lot more about you know, the impact. Of course, uh, probably the 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 rovers we have on Mars right now they will probably be destroyed <laughs> if it hits. I'm gonna cease to function. Yeah, and the, the fact is that I was I was reading that uh, the effect of this uh, you know this collision uh, would be around for for decades. So we have all the time to prepare stuff and go check it out on Mars because we have a long time. So, yeah, and we might learn a lot more about, uh, you know... Help us plan for our future if it were to happen here. Yeah, I, I don't think if, if once it hits, you can contain it, but <laughs> we could definitely learn you a lot can see more what the about are. our history. And, you know, there's a, a massive crater in the Yucatan, you know, someone they say that uh, the dinosaurs, the impact of the asteroids... They so the they claim... They claim well, it's it's pretty much. I, I wouldn't say certain because science is never hundred percent certain, but it's a, they are positive about it. Sure. All right. Um, let's move on to something else. Let's talk about technology. Uh, I just dropped something. Uh, great. Uh, let's talk about the Raspberry Pi because it sold one million units, and it sounds kind of like our show. Yeah, they use the same pun. Like they they went into the future and stole our pun. That's that's in a, a TARDIS, I think. Yeah, yeah in a TARDIS, uh, with a new Doctor Who. Yeah, the Raspberry Pi. What's the Raspberry Pi, Simon? It's a it's a small computer, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's like the size of a credit card. Yeah, it's very small. And it runs an open source operating system. Yeah, it runs Linux. Linux, yep. Yeah. Um, and it has an HDMI output, so you can plug it into your TV. And has a USB port and the Ethernet port. It doesn't come with its own shell, but you can buy them on eBay. Yeah, you, or you can make your own. Or you can make one. Or you can print one pretty soon. Yeah, you can print your own Raspberry Pi shell. You probably can already now print yeah. your own Raspberry Pi shell. If you have a 3D printer. And what's interesting about it is that it's it's really cheap. It's like twenty thirty pounds for yep. for one of these. And you know, this is like a computer which you know compared to the laptop which we're recording. This podcast is not very powerful, but compared to a computer, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, it's really powerful in the comparison. So people are using it for all sorts of projects, from something simple, say uh, uh, a receiver for your TV, so you can stream uh, stuff to your TV. But you know, you, you can install Xbox Media Center, that kind of thing. But also as a as a controller, like an Arduino chip, but a bit more powerful. Uh, so you can. You can program a robot with it because it's very small. You can just program it and it can control a robot, or you can anything you want really lights, uh, control anything. Yeah, where well, your home heating, or your curtains, I suppose. And it, it, it's <laughs> st- it's still, um, of course, you know, it, it's not something you, that my grandmother will be able to do because she doesn't understand computers. You still so need she... to know how to program it. So. Yeah, and, and the idea behind it was that uh, it, it was for kids to learn how to to code for for uh, the educational like, purposes. Yeah, I can't remember from which company these, the guys who made it from, but they they're basically all the graduates that, or from a university actually, all the graduates that all the graduates, all the high school students that were getting in university were the coding level was terrible. Not for, obviously you have the crazy kids who have been coding since they were eleven, but most most kids don't know how to code. And so their solution was to make this this card credit card style computer so that people could learn how to program on it for kids. But they were never expecting it to sell this many units. It was it, I, I wanted to buy one when it came out last year, but it was sold out for so long. Yeah, well, Mine you had to be huge. put on a waiting list, didn't you? Yeah, and you could only buy on, uh, on um, I think on Radio Spares, yeah. RS.com. 
but now you can buy it in Maplin yeah that's right probably Amazon too so that's cool I think we should we should, we should try to do a project with that and put it on a blog I was something. considering uh, buying one but I'm, it's just um, I need to think of a project that I was going to do with it it was uh, so if you have an idea let me know or well, if someone out I, there I've always wanted to build a, a sous vide machine a sous vide would you like to explain what that is to our listeners yeah a sous vide machine is a um, say a cooking ut- not a utensil it's a it's something to cook stuff yeah, and basically what it is is a, it's a heated water bath at a very precise temperature so say it's 55 degrees so it's got a control degrees. circuit in there well obviously it needs to have a, a, a water bath with water inside it and a heater and a thermocouple or another thermometer and something which will control the amount of power that goes into it to regulate temperature and sounds you, similar <laughs> hmm? it sounds it sounds very familiar yeah we've, we've done this before <laughs> at university and, but this time it's more fun because then I can cook stuff with it which is better than getting crappy marks from teachers uh, so yeah the, the the cool thing about cooking sous vide is that uh, specifically for meat or eggs is that the texture and the cooking level uh, is very dependent on internal temperature and if you have a water bath at a specific temperature uh, then your food over the course of you know 20 minutes if it, if it's 20 minutes if it's a small portion or a couple of hours if it's a big portion or a day if it's a huge portion uh, will slowly get to that temperature so 55 degrees so you can have a, a steak which is perfectly medium rare like pink all the way through uh, because you just kept it at the right temperature which is 55 56 degrees uh, Celsius uh, so because you know if, if you usually cook uh, something on a skillet or you know, on the grill uh, the heat is very high on the outside so it crisps up and the cooking is not even so I was thinking of making one of these machines and uh, you need a, uh, a controller to control the, the heating input and you can buy one of these online uh, where you, you know you just plug everything in and it's done but I think it, w- it might be interesting if we could do it it's a lot more fun when you make it for yourself it's just more satisfying yeah so yeah I'm gonna make one of those so let's but let's change subject now. Let's talk about TVs, Salman. You, you've researched this a little bit. There's something new which is coming, which is, looks pretty cool. Yeah, um, I came across these, um, these uh, was it quantum dot TVs that Sony are starting to uh, develop. Uh, now, now the main advantage of these um, quantum dots is that the color they produce are more vibrant. Okay, so uh, it's different from a standard LCD, right? Because how how is it different? Why do they work differently? Okay, well, like, um, how does an LCD work? Well, uh, well, uh, the LCDs they work by by having a light behind um, uh, uh, a filter, right? That color. Well, the liquid crystals, which is e- which would either be was it red so RGB, right? Yeah, red, green, and blue. red, green, and blue, and so. And so, with any combination of these, it can make any color on on the spectrum. And um, and the jump to LED TVs was that it's made more vibrant with the backlight being uh, being through tiny LEDs here. So, uh, so the light has changed, not the the pixels. Like the the liquid crystals have not changed. That's right. Yeah. Like an LED TV is exactly the same as an old LCD TV. It's just that the light going through the 
the filters, the liquid crystals, yeah. is Different generated maybe. differently, which is more efficient sure. and more vibrant. So yep. when people are buying an LED TV, then you're not buying it's a little, little, little LEDs making the colors. It's just the LEDs making the the light. Yeah. But this is this is different though. Mm. How is it different? Well, it uses um, crystals of semiconductors, which are on the scale of of a uh, nanometer, and um, uh, I mean up so until it's like uh, one billionth of a meter, right? Yeah, nanometer. Yeah, so it's quite small. Yeah, okay, tiny crystals. So a, mi- uh, uh, a million times smaller than a millimeter. Just yep, tiny. And um, and up until very recently. Um, thanks to new research, these were very expensive and also toxic to, uh, to produce. produce. Yep. And um, so, so this uh, new TV by Sony it uses these quantum dots, but but it still has LED backlighting um, at the moment because because it's, they're still working on it. Um, but this, uh, but this hybrid of uh, quantum dots um, and LEDs produces. Um, uh, like a picture with, with a more uh, vibrant intensity to it. Okay. And so it's basically less bleed, right? Yeah. And so there's, there's less, less light escaping from the. And they're saying, and they're saying that that in the future, um, they will be able to make it just using quantum dots because these quantum dots actually emit their own light, uh, depending on um, um, on how much voltage is passed through them, um, because um uh. Uh, the way these um, these uh, crystals work is that is that when a voltage it, uh, a mispassed through them, um, they they energize uh, very slightly, and that uh, and that causes them to 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 emit light um, a uh, specific frequency, right? Yeah, because of the energy of the yeah. electrons and yeah. Frequency. But what they found is. That that the wavelength of the light changes depending on the size of the crystal. Okay. So so are more depending on the area. So you can like bunch a few out together, and that would change what the wavelength of of the light is, and that therefore changes what what the color. So is so you basically you, you, instead of having you know, RGB, you have just three different sized crystals. Yep. So instead of having three, okay. Yeah, and um, and so. And so they they're also thinking that in the future um, this can be um, used to make like like uh, nano LEDs as well, are using this uh, semiconductor material. Okay. Um, so you'd be able to make super sharp screens, right? Sure. Like more than retina uh, screens, of very high pixel density. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, up. Um, uh, our silicon would do a similar job and it's also non-toxic but until now scientists haven't been able to um to figure out uh, how to do it with silicon uh, yeah because with silicon the uh the colors that they emit was always too unpredictable okay so you couldn't really make a screen out of this um but the main um point of this is uh that is that is that the image can be both more vibrant and intense, but passing through a lower voltage, so it uses less electricity in that case. It's a more efficient, so more efficient. better picture, and possibly even more like pixel dense pictures. Uh, possibly, yeah. Okay. But it's still, but the technology is still in in its infancy. But um, uh, but if it leads to 
a reduction in the amount of of electricity that we're using because mm-hmm. let's face it monitors are everywhere now uh yeah whereas technology could be uh, it would save a lot of it could save a lot yeah tvs laptops computers yeah, I mean, phone screens yeah now everyone has you know second and third and fourth screens their phone their tablet their pc their television and if you think of how many hours your watch soon apparently maybe but if you think of how many hours that they're all running every day yeah, um, efficiency is definitely, especially uh, with you know with the emerging markets, even mostly like yeah. you know, China and India, always wanting more of of you know, these technologies. LED uh, TVs have been a have been a jump in terms of efficiency from uh, the old compared to CRT, they're, they're way better. Yeah, and um, now we uh, we might be able to uh, to see uh, another jump very soon. I wonder what uh, what would be the difference in uh, in response. Because uh, CRT TVs, old you know, old tube TVs, the image response is very, very fast. With LEDs, it's a bit slow. So you see a bit of a blur on the screen. Not, not, not necessarily that. It's just, for example, when you're playing a video game, uh, the response of the image on the screen is a bit slower than you know would be on a CRT. So, for example, rhythm games, they had to adjust uh, with, with the new TVs. You know, you have to calibrate your TV because your TV will have a delay compared to the signal coming from your Xbox or PS3. On CRT, it's almost immediate. So I wonder maybe using these, uh, what will, if it will change, it will be slower or faster. Hopefully faster. Obviously better to have uh, faster faster screens. For those of you who are interested over there, I think I think the uh, the material that the crystals are made of is called, is called magnesium silamide. Okay. Uh, but... W- Obviously, we're going to post show notes for this show as well, so we're gonna you're gonna put some links there, uh, just to redirect people to the stories with more facts and less fluff. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll post a link to our blog in the in the description of this podcast. All right, Salman, <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, something which is not necessarily you know uh, happened this week, but it's been happening for a while now uh, is music and the use of autotune there oh dear <laughs> there was a really long article on The Verge uh, a tech site about autotune and its uh, ubiquity in uh, modern music um, I hate autotune what, what do you think Salman? Is, is that a question worth asking? well <laughs> sure I mean uh Okay, fine. There are two sides to it, right? Fine, fine. Let me be diplomatic here. Sure. Autotune used in the right areas. Sure. Okay, I'll accept it. But um, some songs you see which are purely autotune and well, th- 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 that's what I was going for. And you've got and you've got quote unquote artists who think they can sing and they're making lots of money from just actually what is uh. Uh, um, a piece of um, computer program which which sort of um, um, auto tunes their 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 singing voice. It's uh, there there are there are two two ways to use auto tune, right? Uh, oh, let's explain what auto tune is. Go ahead, yeah. Right. So when a singer sings a song, there's a there's a vocal track in which they will sing the song, and obviously humans are not robots, so they cannot hit the perfect note every time, right? Nope. It's just impossible. Uh, also, you know, their pitch will vary when they're holding a note. It just, but it's a skill that makes good singers 
better well, than others. Or, or even like, you know, being, uh, hitting the wrong note might be something which is particular to that singer. So you take someone like, uh, I don't know, uh, the Rolling Stones guy, what's his name, Mick Jagger. He, he's really flat in some songs, like he doesn't hit the right pitch, but it doesn't matter because it fits the music. Sure. So auto-tune, what it does is that you, know, you can, you can basically, you, you can modify the note that the singer is hitting. So it does a kind of, you know, Fourier transformation, it changes the signal into, and puts it at different frequencies. So if I sing you, an, you know, an, an A, and I, I'm actually singing an A flat, then the producer can just take the mouse and push it up to A and make it, you know, exactly A. And that's one way to use it. So you, you're basically, you're fixing your singer's mistakes, right? Or not necessarily mistakes, just, you know, his inability to sing properly some notes, which would be a good thing or a bad thing. And then there's the other way, the other use, which is uh, when people take, um, it's, it's, I don't like it, but it's a stylistic choice. It's different, right? You're using it to have an effect on your voice. Well, there's some singers who have just, who just purely use autotune in yeah, this. Yeah, uh, but uh, basically what they do is that uh, when you're using autotune I've never used autotune I've used something similar just to try it out uh, we'll talk about it later uh, but what you can do is that you can, you can choose how quickly uh, your voice goes from one pitch to the next so you're saying you're going from A to B uh, normally you know if you're singing you're going ah okay. and, and you're, it's a smooth transition right but with autotune you can make the jump Immediate, like in, in so, a millisecond. So that's why you get that really sharp, distinctive auto-tune sound that, yes. that some singers intentionally well, put on. You have people who have made a whole career out of it, like, you know, T-Pain. <laughs> that's all he does. Yeah. Uh, and people seem to like it. I don't like it. Uh, but what the article is also mentioning is that now people expect singers to be in perfect pitch all the time. Well, they can use it live now as well, can't they? Yeah, you can use it live. Uh, and it's not just it's not just that... Uh, people have always used the studio to to sound better than they actually are. That's the whole point of it. You know, you, you do a hundred takes, you take bits of the best ones, and it's always been the case. And you know, even using effects like reverb and delay and all those things on your voice, those are still kind of faking it. You know, it's not your real voice. Uh, but the problem is that the expectation of a singer hitting perfect pitch is it takes away some of the of the humanity. Of the singers, what do you think? Again, that's that's a personal opinion. Some may may like. Uh, yeah, but, but but take the Beatles, right? They they sang a little harmonies. Some of the harmonies are a bit off, but that's part of their charm, right? I mean, they weren't you know they weren't like a, a choir with like a perfect you know everyone had like a uh, what what do you call the thing where you but but you can you can detect perfect pitch. So when you can always detect the note you're singing, like someone plays you a note and you can detect the frequency. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think that uh, it's a bit overused, but in the studios everything is overused. It just, it just makes everyone sound the same. That's the problem I have with it. You know, you take someone, I always go back to the 60s because that's my, my period. Your uh, period, well, right? <laughs> not, I, wasn't, I wasn't alive, but you know. Back in I mean. the day. You take someone like Janis Joplin, if, if you, if you auto-tune her, she would be... She would be just average. Well, the people who are listening know who she is. Janis Joplin? Uh, come on. So few people have heard her name somehow. She died. She was young, so people know about so her. So just to make it clear to all the young people out there. Just go listen to some real music. That's my advice. Of course, autotune comes from uh, science as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was developed by a guy who was... Uh, who was I mean, a seismologist, actually. 
Yeah, or a geologist, or well, anyway, he, he was a seismologist. Okay, yeah. basically, he was processing signals. Yeah. So vibrations of the earth in this case. It was a seismologist. A yeah. se- what's a seismologist? Okay, seismologists, they study earthquakes, right? Earthquakes and other seismological activity, like tectonic plates moving. And Basically, what the main thing um, that that seismologists uh, get up to is they will is they will um, blast waves into the earth, say say by small explosions or by or 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 by the like vibration sources, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, just or, um, ultrasound, just like sound like. sources yeah. on on the surface, and then and then they will measure these at different locations along the surface of the Earth, and then from there they can see where where like uh, faults are, where, where the faults are and cracks in, in the crust. Yeah, and then, but these aren't always clear because you get a lot of distortion. Yeah, and then this is where all the all all of the uh our clever stuff our came in where they could where they could manipulate the signals yeah and and then so like this this guy managed to make the jump from it being used for uh our scientific purposes to kind of ruining all music and oh yeah that song by Cher believe that was that was terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. But that was the first use of autotune uh, that people you know, people know of. And people were the producers of the song. They didn't want to give the secret away. They for for a long time they said, "Oh, we use something else to do it." We, you know, because people didn't know about autotune until a few years ago when it started being really popular. <laughs> when was Jay Z made it popular, right? Oh, but Jay Z hates it. Well, well, he well he had that song, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. He, Death he, of autotune. He he changes his mind a lot. Uh, so I want to talk about my experience with autotune. I I didn't use autotune. Uh, I've used Melodyne, which is a similar program, uh, because I I record my songs when I feel like it, when my spare time. Uh, and you know I'm a, I'm not a very good singer, uh, to put it mildly, but I still like singing my songs. So I thought, oh well, I, you know I'm obviously I'm a, bit, I'm a bit flat here and a bit sharp here. I'll just you know try the try the trial for Melodyne because Melodyne is really expensive, like a thousand pounds. License, so I, I got trial, thirty days, and I tried it, and it was like, well, obviously I'm hitting the right notes now, but my voice just doesn't sound the same. You know, it sounds a bit. It sounds. It's not fake. you anymore, is it? Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, so I don't particularly like it because uh, especially because like the some of the bands I really like to go back to bands that probably no one will know about listen to the podcast like the Ramones, right? The Ramones singer could not sing. Like he was just all over the place. But that was the whole that point. That was the whole point of it, right? Yeah. So actually put the link um to your song in the show notes and uh Maybe. I mean I mean so people can see what the difference is and the Well I I I don't have a a link to the to the two different versions, so I don't know. Well they can hear you normally now and cuz this isn't being being uh manipulated, is it? No, it's not. All right. So um, and and you've got your song up, haven't you? My, my song is on SoundCloud. If pe- if people really wanna listen to my stuff, it's there. I'll post the link because there's also the, the podcast uh, music there, which I composed really badly. But I, I actually, I think it's quite it's it's appropriate to a podcast. The music, yeah, the eight bit sound, eight bit kind of eight bit sound. Um, so yeah, so that's that's auto tune. Auto tune is if used in moderation. I am not against it if. If 
apparently there was you know you know Taylor Swift right she's really popular I have heard of yeah. her yes uh, and apparently obviously she uses autotune because everyone uses autotune right but there was a performance last year where she, I mean, maybe she wasn't using autotune where she appeared to be completely tone deaf were you there? I wasn't there <laughs> I, I watched it on YouTube <laughs> you did? well t- f- for this for research for this uh, this segment of our podcast Okay. And you know, or even like you know, you're the, not a fan, the, are you? There's a video of Enrique Iglesias singing "Hero," and he's singing it worse than I would. <laughs> I can be a hero, baby. All right, that's enough. That's enough, yeah. That's how he was singing. I would sing a lot better than that, obviously. Uh, Did you? I would draw more. Hmm. Oh yeah, draw more on your face. Yeah, no, yeah. That's a what a great song. Another great song. So yeah, so uh, people saying, well, if Taylor Swift. You know, she she can't sing. Then she's been fooling everyone for all this time. But you know, she she apparently writes her songs. I don't think they're very good, but people seem to like them. So I I I, I reserve judgment on you know whether she's talented or not because we just can't know. That's a whole different issue. She's she's out selling the whole look. The well, but but everyone's selling the look. Yeah. Even the rock bands are selling the look at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on to something else. Uh, Salman, what wh- what do you want to talk about? Is there anything in particular you want to talk about? Uh, play any played any any new games lately or? Um, I did want to. Um, I came across quite a while ago. I'm a big fan of the Civilization games, as as you probably know. I guess the uh, Civilization games they're what the turn based, four uh, X games, right? It's yeah. For X is what uh, is expansion, exterminate, and two more X's I can't remember about. It's basically like creating your own Civil- empire. In this case, yeah, civilization, civilization, hence the name. Yes, yeah. so, and you really like these games, right? Yeah, and um, uh, there there's a forum online where where there was this guy who played uh, a game of of Civilization two for ten years. Okay. So Civ two, they came out what? 20 years ago something like that yeah a long time back in the 90s uh, mid 90s right yeah um uh what happens is 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 that you have the end game yeah exactly and, uh, how could you play for 10 years well well you have the end game where where someone wins because of either well, like like a scientific our dominance or they've got a great population or they or points even, or they're right? winning in terms of points yeah but then you can just keep on playing the scenario are you at? I mean, see where it leads up to. So this guy played the same game for more than ten years, and he reached the point where there were three uh, civs are still active, but all three were at war with each other, and um, and this and this lasted, or this still goes on, um, and and he cannot find a way to 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 end the war because. Because basically, there is no advantage on um, on either side, and um, and uh, what the world is like at that point is that is that nuclear war has um, completely rendered the ninety um, percent of, of of the earth uninhabitable. Um, your cities are not producing food; they're just uh, producing more weapons so as to uh, defend against the other um, civs. And so no one has a clear advantage. Um, 
there's a challenge for anyone who can actually end the game uh, by uh, by winning, and um, and I want to try this out. And oh, so, so you can download the you save, can download save file. yeah, so you you can try it out for yourself. Yeah. So you're saying that basically civilization has predicted that mankind will be locked in a freeway nuclear battle at some point in the future. Yeah. But I mean, uh, this I mean, it leads to a very um, uh, what's what's the word? Our dystopic, yeah, uh, our scenario, uh, and hence why it's called the 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 eternal war, because because it's been going on for ages. I mean, there is no clear end in sight, unless unless one civ actually says, "I give up, come and kill me." Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, I I I'm not really familiar with the with the old civ games. I've I never played them much. Like my first foray into civilization was uh, the new one, well, newish one. Uh, which one? Civ Five. Civ Five. Well, okay. Well, I, I the, played... Which is what the latest one? Yeah. Well, it's two years old. I I did play a bit of Civ Four, but just in anticipation of playing Civ Five. So <laughs> okay, I'm not really. Uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those. G- I I can see why why the game lasted forever because it's one of those games where. Uh, it's turn-based, right? So every time you, you do your actions per your turn, and then you click next turn. And next turn is basically a uh, video game crack, right? Yeah. <laughs> one more turn. Like, one more turn. I, I, I can't stop. I mean, and one then more you turn. hear the birds sing in the morning. Yeah, and then it's like 10 hours later, and you're... Uh, yeah, and you're still playing. And you're like, oh, I, I, you know, I, I played this game for 10 hours and didn't realize I was playing it for this long. I like to give myself different uh, challenges um, because it started to get a bit easy winning a uh, domination victory where you just I would take over what the other country. So I just just up the difficulty. Well, I have done that, and and there are some um, when you get it too difficult, um, then it just it's doesn't f- become like fun anymore. It's not fun, no. Yeah, but um, so it's still quite difficult. But I've like given my uh, I like I've done um, challenges such as. I set out to win a cultural victory, where my uh, where your culture has the most impact over other cultures in the world. That, and that's how I win all my Civ games. Okay, that's how I like to play them. Okay, and um, and I've and I've tried other cool stuff like like uh, one city challenge, where you have to use you your best um, diplomacy to your advantage, so like no one just comes and annihilates you. Yeah, I, uh, I. The reason I always go for for the cultural victory is that to go for a cultural victory, you have to have very few cities. Yeah. In your civilization, which means that I don't have to click on a bunch of units every single turn. <laughs> that, that's why I, I do that. I I don't really go for uh, dominating uh, other players because it just takes so long. I prefer to specialize. Uh, do, cool. Maybe cool. combine two, like do a one city challenge, uh, cultural victory. Cause you you kind of have to go for culture in that case anyway, because you can't go for domination. So yeah, but um, it'll be interesting to see um where I get with the with the eternal war, and um, yeah, let us know if you if you find world peace, yeah. or if you kill everyone else. Uh, let us just show us your true side, Salman. <laughs> let us know if you're you know if you're a war criminal or a saint. Um, still talking about. Games. Uh, Tomb Raider came out this week. Uh, the new one. The new one. Yeah. It looks. It looks quite cool. What do you think? Have you had a look at it? Or I. I've seen ads for it, and um, uh, apparently it's. I mean, it's going back to the game's roots, right? 
or it's a or it's a prequel. Um, I think it's it's a, it's a reboot. It's a reboot. Right. Okay. Yeah, because uh, they they try to go away from you know the, the whole horrible look. She's so hot, Lara Croft. Ha, thing you know with video game players. It's, it's pixels, man. I know, but it's just like her breasts were enormous in the old games because that that was a selling point. But they were yeah. still using games. What so. were your experiences with the old games? I really did not like the original games. I got really frustrated. You spend like 10 minutes lining up a jump, then you miss it and die. I just didn't find them fun. But I, I did like that they they remade them for... They, they rebooted the series in with the last generation of consoles. And those were pretty good. Like Tomb Raider Legend and Anniversary. Those are pretty good games. And this one apparently is, is pretty good. Even though there's some uh, weird things about it. Uh, because... They're all, you know, um, like the press that has been done for this game is a little weird. Cause the whole point of it is, it's a, it's like a survival game, right? You're stuck on this island after a, a boat crash, and you have to survive, and there's people trying to kill you, and, and so on. Uh, and they're like, oh, we're trying to desexualize uh, Lara Croft, which is cool. And like, oh yeah, so there's this rape scene in which you, we're making sure that she she looks really vulnerable so the player can feel a bit, you know, uh, like wanting to take care of her. And I was like... They have this in the game? Well, apparently, apparently there was a, you know, wires across. There is not really a rape scene. Uh, but just the way they talk about it, just straight after saying we're desexualizing Lara Croft and then she gets raped, it's a bit weird. Uh, so there's a bit of controversy about that, but... Uh, I have a friend who's been playing it, it's pretty good. I haven't tried it, so I can't really comment on the quality of the game. Maybe next week. Uh, but you've, you've been playing an old game, Salma, right? I, I lend you a game. Oh yeah, Red Dead Redemption. How is that? Um, I've so far managed to managed to tame a few horses, herd a few cows, um, been in a few gunfights. Um, there was one point where where I managed to to herd the cows off a cliff. Okay. <laughs> right. um, Lemming style. Yeah. Um, I've been getting through it slowly. I haven't really fully immersed myself with it. But, um, it, it it's a game. It, it, let's let's talk about what the game is. It's a it's a game from two three years ago. Uh, it's an open world, uh, western game, wild west, uh, themed game. So you're on your horse. You have a gun. But it's a game that takes its time. It's not a game that, you know, just like, oh, it's the Wild West, but here, you know, here are quick time events and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, a bunch of shootouts. It's more trying to capture the feel of the of Western films, which most of the time they are very, very reflective. They pause on the scenery and they're not like modern action movies where everything is just explosions. It's, it's a game which revels in its uh, loneliness even. Like the Wild West is empty. There's nothing yeah, there. Sure. Uh, I just it's a game I really enjoyed. Uh, it, it's the only game probably ever that I completed 100. percent Wow. Okay. Uh, because it was just it was just enjoyable to just ride your horse in the middle of of the wilderness. It does look very nice. That yeah. It's just not even like graphically. It's just the, the the whole atmosphere and the the soundtrack. Especially when it gets um, when the stars come out and I mean you can see even. Uh, the moon's up and it's and you're just out riding out through the valley and uh, yeah, and you're still in the first part of the game so there's, yeah. a, there's a few more um, areas that open up later which are also really cool okay. looking it's just a game that uh, I really enjoy because they don't feel the need to front load it with uh, 
a bunch of boobs and explosion like lots of games do that's how they sell it's the game that uh, it's a game done for you know people who like westerns or people who like the kind of atmosphere so it doesn't matter that, you know that you don't try to capture the, the, the lowest common denominator gamer and it worked because it sold tons of copies uh, so and I also just finished playing another even older western game called uh, Desperados before that which is why I picked this up what is that? Desperados is like a real time strategy game um, uh, where where you're a group of uh, bounty hunters in the wild west and and you and you basically need to complete a series of objectives and um, and you can do this um, through through stealth or through our, our direct um, brute force but you've got a sort of top-down view of the city um, or sorry like a, a like isometric view from the top so it's yeah. like a, it's like a, a, you, you, it's a point and click thing right point you, and click yeah so you have your your unit I guess there's a few people in yeah. your unit and you just three to five yeah and you click on them to do stuff like shoot people and yeah. hide and things like that, right? Yeah, and you and you click when, say, the enemy turns around, and there's a and you kind of see see what the pattern is when where you've got like maybe just like a window of like two seconds to uh, to was it run across the road or something? And so it's a bit like uh, Commanders, similar game, that's right? It, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is it made by the same people? Um, it's made by a European studio, I'm sure. Infograms did it back in the day. Well, they, pro- they probably published it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not sure who made it, but I enjoyed it quite a lot, yeah. and I and I played that to its completion as well. How long did you play that for? Oh dear, um, was it over forty hours? I think. That's yeah, so that's not bad. That's quite a long time. But I could have spent a lot longer on it. I just um, I just kind of rushed through a few stages. Like, but how did, like. Can you lose your characters in the mission and then have them again, or if they die, I mean, can they die? Or no, it's very unforgiving in that way. If they die, you start the level again. Oh, okay. So, so they can't die. So, so, um, uh, so it's a kind of game where you just keep on saving it after you've just done an okay, objective. Quick, it's a quick save heavy game. Yeah. It's quick save all the time. Yeah, because um, I mean, you don't want to finish ninety percent of the level, which is just taking you a few hours. Uh, to do and then you find that um, what you die right at the end and you just start all over again because I've been playing uh, a more a more modern strategy game recently it's called XCOM Enemy Unknown which is a remake of an actually early 90s strategy game uh, again it's a you know you have a few units in it uh, six up to six and uh, and you click and you use your controller because I'm playing on Xbox but it's turn based so it's like save, but you know, good combat. Just just combat. And uh, in that game, if one of your characters dies, that's it. You have recruits, you have your soldiers, and you know you level them up, and you get you know different abilities and stats, etc. And then if they die, that's it. Which is really bad if you lose like a, a veteran soldier, because then you're, you're so you don't through. get them back again. No, you don't. You can train another person up, but okay. uh, it's an alien invasion game, and I highly recommend it. Is XCOM enemy unknown? Well, um, uh, I recommend you. I would check out. I would, uh, uh, yeah, I would Desperados as well. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's on. Uh, isn't on Steam? Maybe not. 
I don't think the original Desperados is. I know there is a sequel which wasn't as good, and I'm not gonna go there. So um, okay, so you might be able to find a copy of Desperados somewhere, but not on Steam then. Yeah. All right. Cool. Coffee. I think mm. coffee. You want to talk about coffee? Yeah. Alright, let's talk about coffee. I, I made you coffee, someone, today. How was it? Um, it, it's, I mean, it's funny. Every time I come in and I, and I have coffee, it tastes different here. Well, I, 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 uh, I, I still, I'm still perfecting my, my brewing method. So I, I can't, I'm not always keeping it the same, which makes a big difference. What are the variables here? Well, I, um, Other than the coffee beans uh. Well, so let's talk about the coffee beans uh, Obviously The freshness of the coffee is very important So if you buy ground coffee From, from the store, it's going to be less uh, Less tasty because it will lost A lot of its flavour So I bought a hand grinder uh, Which you, know, you just turn the handle and you grind beans And I bought some really nice beans from the centre of London And makes really good coffee And what I use is, uh, is an Aeropress Which is like a, a Piece of plastic with a filter really that you push down on and you you can make high pressure coffee you just use a couple of bars of pressure even slightly more than a bar to make coffee and the variables are huge because uh, coffee is all about you know, e- extraction of coffee oils right okay um, and if you under extract coffee extract coffee uh, the coffee will be sour and if you over extract coffee the coffee will be bitter and somewhere in the middle is what you want to be where it's neither sour nor bitter and it's really hard to get to get it there, at least for me, because I'm a bit of a newbie when it comes Which to Which is what these expensive machines um, at coffee shops do, right? Ideally, yeah. Well, Starbucks will give you something really bitter because that's how they make their coffee there. But if you go to like a specialty shop, sure, they'll try to make their the best. And so the extraction, like how much oils you're extracting, depends on various factors, right? The first one is the temperature of the water. Okay. So different temperature water will extract different oils at different speeds. Uh, how fine or coarse you've ground your beans. So if your obviously if your beans are you don't have much control over that, do you? Well, you do. Uh, you can grind it finer or grind it coarse. Okay. If you, obviously if you buy from a store, that you're stuck with whatever you you get. But uh, it's because you know if it's very coarse, then uh, it will it will take longer to extract the same amount of oils because it has less surface area. If you make it really fine. Uh, then it will take less time, which is why you know for espresso uh, you, you grind it really really fine because the espresso wax is a blast of steam for a puck of coffee, and it's in in a couple of seconds and you have like, you have you have your extraction. That's why you have very fine. And then you have uh, time. You steep your coffee in How the water. How long you leave it there, right? Yeah. So these are the main variables, and of course you have the brewing method. So it's really hard to balance all three. Because it's hard to determine which one is the variable you want to control, to, which makes a difference. So, having a bit of trouble about that. But you, you're enjoying the coffee, right? It's better than the coffee, the Nescafe or instant coffee, right? Oh, it's easily more tasty than that, yeah. I mean, I, I used to drink that when, a few years ago in university. So Nescafe Gold Blend. Or I, I, I can't do it anymore. It, it's, there was a, a very good comparison on a forum which was uh, instant coffee compared to coffee, right? It's a bit like uh, instant chicken broth to real chicken broth, right? If you buy There's the, a lot of difference, right? If yeah. you buy the, the cubes, right, it will have a particular taste, which it comes from the cubes. And if you only have that chicken broth, then that particular taste, which is not actually part of coffee, 
of real coffee, uh, that becomes what you define coffee as. So most people, when when I make them this coffee, they're like, no, I prefer Nescafe because it's blander. Because that's what they're used to, yeah. It has a weird aftertaste, which is what they like. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, if you, if you always buy frozen spring rolls, then you go to a Chinese restaurant, they're going to taste different. It's like, well, this is not real spring rolls. It's not what I expect them to be. Uh, so I like coffee, so that's why I'm going into this. And you should do, man. It, my setup, which is an AeroPress uh, and a uh, a grinder, was about £45 pounds in total. Do you see another home project outcoming on here? Well, it's not really a project, it's just coffee, man. No, I mean, you can... There's there's a lot of these uh, variables you can control and... Uh, just make a... Um, automatic air with press a, machine with a raspberry pi there just like control the grinders make the minor grinder an electric one yeah. stick a motor on it yeah. uh, and then feed it into uh, into some ruin system uh, that could be interesting but also kind of complicated but we'll see that's what we're all about complex so. stuff complex stuff uh, yeah so coffee because in, in Italy uh, I'm Italian so espresso is king in Italy most Italians cannot even, you know, they cannot uh, believe that there is another way to make coffee other than espresso, right? Whenever I'm at my friend's house or at my house and I bring my stuff and I'm making coffee, they're like, what are you doing? What is that? Like, I'm so you've coffee, never like, been to the Arab world, have you? <laughs> why is it different there? It's uh, Turkish coffee, use, right? No, no, that's, that's different. Um, in the in the in the Arabian Peninsula, they use raw beans. Okay. And and the taste the is completely ones. yeah, okay. and the taste is completely different. Okay, so that was coffee. Uh, so I think that will do it for this week. We're running out of time. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you guys should jump back into the TARDIS. Yeah, go back in time and listen to it again for the first time. Uh, and uh, you should check out our website as usual piecube.co.uk we have a new video up yep. uh, from last we are week. all over the interweb and uh, we're making a new video coming out tomorrow uh, and you check it out check them out because they're, they're pretty awesome well I think they are because I made them of course I think mean they're awesome but I'm sure you will. You guys will like it too so have a look it's piecube.co.uk that's p-a-e-c-u-b-e-d dot c-o.uk yep. be there or be cute and uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and you should you can find links there on, to our Twitter feed and to our Facebook page, and you should like us because it's cool. And thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. <laughs>